thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Uh, just a little bit more after eight o'clock than we would normally like, but we didn't want to cut into the Superbike review. Uh, and uh, another chance for you to hear our prototype panel tonight after Midweight Motorsport here on RS1. Hello, everybody. I'm John Hindorf, and we're live from a variety of locations. Uh, it is, well, I'm coming up at four minutes past uh, eight here on the 13th of January, Series 16, Episode 2. And up in London is our executive producer, Tim Bray. Good evening, Tim. On a packed programme tonight, we have what? We have all the usual features. We'll be joined Excellent. by uh, some regular guests, Nick Damon and Shay Adam. We'll be talking about Formula One. We've got some sports car news. We've got some American news. Are you still news. eating your dinner? Yes, because you make me do so much work. I don't have time to eat when we're not on air. <laughs> uh, we have uh, news in Spanish. We'll be previewing things that are happening uh, later this week. And uh, we've also got uh, a preview of a new show coming to RS1 next Thursday. It's coming up in the second hour of the show. Um, and there's something else that I needed to mention in this clip. I can't remember what it was now. Um, it, uh, come back to me. Right, you finish what you're going on with there. And I'll hit at Spec Utainment, which is your way to get involved. The original uh, listener... Uh, show, listener uh, involvement show here on Midweek Motorsport. You influence what we do uh, week to week and indeed within our live show here. Dave Alcock has just uh, tweeted in, well actually a little while ago now, a couple of hours ago when we were doing our promotions on Twitter. Hello Dave, nice to know that you're tuned in tonight. He says, provisional entry list, over 52 entries for Dubai 24 hours, an outstanding achievement under the circumstances and one uh, of which Creventic should be proud. You're not going to hear any truck with me about that. I think uh, they've done a brilliant job. Good to see calendar users. Top billing says to Tinder tonight. It's what we tune in for every week with bated breath. It will be our top story. Right turn lover. EFA is joining you temporarily distance, i.e. catching up via the podcast. Hello to the racing bar steward listening live tonight whilst tuning in. Uh, sorry, turning some laps around Zolder in a group five. Zach Speed Capri. Throttle response like a fire hose, but it's fun to try. I am very envious. Even in the uh, even in the virtual world, and we'll be talking virtual racing in, in our two. I'm, I'm very envious. Um, uh, historic racing uh, show podcast. Does that have its own podcast feed, Tim? The racing bar. Uh, Bar Steward, wondering why is that? There you go, Racing Bar Steward. Um, There is, if you go to the archive page 
on radio-show.co.uk and you go into Historic Racing News podcast, there will be a place there that you can subscribe. I said that confidently, Tim. Oh, there definitely is. And you can do it on a number of different platforms. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, So, separate um, feed for that one if you want to subscribe to that. Uh, Itch. The racing bar steward. Brody, no EFAs much last last week, wondering how you'll fill the two hours such a quiet off season. There isn't an emoticon, is there, for sarcasm or tongue in cheek, Brody, but I know that it is in the best possible taste. Hope you're well, mate, and uh, everything's uh, going nicely for you. Simon Kerr is uh, sending in apologies for absence from Oxford, listening to the podcast, just caught up on the old, the end of year. Broadcast great slab of normality and a belated happy birthday to Gearbox Girl. Yes, that was earlier uh, in the week. We've still got one review to come, Simon, and that's our WEC review, but we've been saving that for a little piece of area where we're sort of in between races. We're going to try and get that in in the next week or 10 days or so. Happy belated birthday to Gearbox Girl. I'll catch up on the podcast later, said Scott Cole. Hello, Scott. Uh, listening in on the podcast live uh, on RS1 at the moment, but Neil Gardner is catching up on the podcast as well, as well uh, as he is. Apologies for ab- absence. Best wishes to all. And to you, Neil. Keep up the great work with your talent. Neil, uh, by the way, if you don't know, Neil Gardner, automotive art. Look it up. Brilliant. Uh, the Colonel, TM, listening live tonight. Uh, wonder which episode number we'll get to before Lewis has signed for Mercedes MG F1. Over and under, he says, I'm going with episode five. Ooh, I think that needs then to become a feature. Has Lewis signed yet? Very good. Stephen Lloyd is listening for the first time this year. Well, you're batting at 500. That's not too bad, Stephen. Yoda's uncle uh, says, hang on a second. Dubai 24 hours without Kortoyser. Is it still an official event? That's a fair point. Well made and beautifully presented. Oliver Giles, uh, listening to Midweek Motorsport, continuing studies and exercise progression. No better way to spend a Wednesday. That's very kind of you, uh, Oliver, and I hope that you and yours are all well. Chris Suku, pottering around in the study following following dinner. Uh, Strawberry cheesecake, ice cream, homemade strawberry ice ice cream, cheesecake, ice cream, and a a cuppa. Alexander Orton, a good sea bass with yellow pepper sauce. Uh, We had uh, beef well, at least Asian beef stew, curry type of thing. It was lovely. He's done Green that before, hasn't he? I remember having Who this has? argument about putting... The sea bass with yellow pepper peppers sauce. Peppers with fish. Yeah. Yeah, but they're bell peppers. That's fine. And you can... Actually, I quite like a little bit of jalapeno sometimes. Uh, it, it sounds fabulous, you two guys, Chris and uh, Alex. Ian McCarthy looking uh, forward to tonight. He says, I'm looking forward to an entertaining and at times hilarious podcast. Um, I'll be listening in the morning no pressure well absolutely come to the wrong place hello to the Asian Le Mans series and more from them in a moment and to Sarah Rigby uh, looking forward to the chat and discussion about the Asian Le Mans calendar update now means I can watch all the races she says and that comes up in a sec if technology leaves uh, where we hope it does no EFAs for just Jack that's Jack just Jack are you doing the hands when I say that Jack that's the thing uh, live listening while browsing for a display for an inductive sensor for a lathe. 
I just heard la 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 la, but I'm impressed. Uh, thank you for all of you who are listening live, for all of you who are on the podcast. Um, enjoy. At Spectatainment is where you need to be if you want to talk to us. Tonight there is a little bit of live football uh, and we'll sort of just prove we're live with that in a wee moment's time. But Tim, shuffle the papers. Where are we going first? Uh, well, before Obviously I play the news thing, I'm going to tell you yeah, where, yeah. what platforms you can get the Historic Racing News podcast on. Uh, and on that then. is TuneIn, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Deezer. Um, what's that one? I don't recognise that icon. Um, <laughs> Stitcher, Blueberry, right. Podbean and Pocket Casts. Excellent. So all the of those platforms uh, are available. Excellent. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. Papers are shuffled. Where would you like to start tonight, Tim? Oh, and you've gone quiet on me. Yes, that's because I closed uh, the wrong fade. I was uh, trying to fade out no, the bed. I, and yes, I know why. Yes. It was my microphone that I closed instead. Uh, All right. But I've succeeded in doing both. Uh, right. And obviously, we're going to start with some calendar news. Oh, I know how you love a little bit of calendar news, Tim. And you're right. This is our top story. Delighted to say that joining us on the line now, uh, Surreal Tashvalen from the Asian Le Mans series. Cyril, thank you so much again for coming on a Midweek Motorsport with some news that proves once again how hard your team works and how quickly you can respond to changing events. When we spoke last, we were setting up for four races in a little over a week, 10 days at Abu Dhabi. The world situation has changed and you've had to react to it. Tell me what's going on for Asian Le Mans Series 2021. Hello, John. Uh, first and foremost, let me just quickly wish you uh, and the whole Radio Le Mans uh, team a very happy new year. We, we need a, a better year anyway. So <laughs> happy new year to c'est everyone. Vrai. And uh, oui, c'est vrai. Merci, John. Um, well, you know, uh, we have been quite used to you know, adapting to the very, very fluid COVID-19 situation since it all started um, last year. And, uh, and yes, uh, again, we had to, um, to play one of the cards we, we had in our sleeves um, still. And uh, yeah, because of the uh, current situation in, in Europe, um, things have had a, a domino effect, you know, on the, uh, the, the UAE rules, etc. And uh, to make the long story short, we um, now it's been announced, but yes, we have decided to get rid of the week in bet- existing uh, in between the two events. Uh, namely starting a week later, uh, still finishing in Abu Dhabi on the 20th of February um, and starting in, uh, in Dubai, actually, because this would allow us to spend 10 times in 10 days sorry, in Dubai while enjoying the first event with two races. And then the whole paddock could move with just a negative PCR test to Abu Dhabi without having to quarantine whatsoever in the, in the Emirates uh, Next door. So that that's now the, the plan we are uh, we are um, going for. The of course again it's been uh, decided on the basis of um, complete full uh, understanding uh, from both the stakeholders and all the competitors unanimously, and uh, we decided to make the move. It's been a hectic weekend. <laughs> um, 
trying to finalize things with the Dubai Autodrome, which I would like uh, to thank very much because they have been very, very accommodative. And uh, David Edegobi from Formula 3 Asia, because they are also uh, accepted to, to adapt on their schedule. Excellent. And they will compensate some, uh, some of the track time that they are uh, giving up um, on for us in Dubai with us in Yas Marina the next weekend. Uh, and the other series that are part of the... Um, of this event, or, and those who were supposed to be part of this I, I, this event in Dubai, uh, to let us in because we have massive amount of track time. And uh, well, this is the situation now. We still have these um, very very condensed calendar, four races, which was anyway the original schedule. And uh, let's look at the glass half full. We 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 now are going to enjoy two race tracks rather than only one. So exactly. at the end of the day, we should. And I'm glad that we have, you know, benefited from such massive and still very, very uh, strong support from from all the teams because uh, they they know what we are doing. We are doing our best to make sure we can go back racing. I I, I like your attitude. You and I have talked about this many times before, Cyril. I, I like the glass half full attitude, and your English idiom uh, um, is excellent. Um, we love Dubai. We go there for the Dubai 24. It's this weekend. And yeah. it works really well for multi-class racing. And that long outside track of the Dubai Autodrome, it's what it was built for. It works really well. I can't wait to see prototype cars there. And, and yeah, with, with no agree. disrespect at all to Yas Marina, this is not toning down your championship at all, is it? You, you've, you've added something. Yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, as a result, it's added something which is brand new uh, for, for, for teams and some drivers as well. And uh, it's also going to be a first for uh, ACO uh, entrance racing, you know, in the Middle East. It's, it's going to be a first in Dubai as well. So I, at the end of the day, you know, given what we have managed to achieve, why complain? You know, <laughs> it's difficult. You know, it's difficult. It's tough. We are having a bit of fun for 30 seconds, but yes, it's tough. Of course. And uh, the whole team is working like flat out crazy to make sure that we provide teams with as many information, as much information as possible on a very regular basis. And we keep adapting and, and, and we see what could be done if things get worse, etc. which is not a scenario that I would like to, to think about now. But, you know, it's in three weeks, we all fly to the Middle East and hopefully we can just push the button and, and, and enjoy the four races. But mm. yeah, it's been again uh, quite a hectic uh, last uh, fortnight, oh. uh, especially last weekend. And uh, we ended up with a, with a result which, while we are speaking, is something which uh, makes the, the whole Asian Amor paddock uh, rather happy. So we have to keep going, you know, it's... Um, but I can't wait to start racing. It's been it's been quite a roller coaster since March. Oh, I, I, I reckon. Oh, I, I think that's an understatement. I really, I really do. Um, what we should explain to the listeners is that that the reasoning behind this is there are quite strict quarantine regulations in Abu Dhabi, which means you land at the airport and there's a ten day minimum quarantine and, and it's, a, it's a, uh, a GPS wristband and at least a couple of PCR tests uh, as well but they it's, do allow you to spend some of that time in another emirate which is which has made this actually a really sensible decision uh, from you guys and you've made you've made the best out of that situation 
it, it was it was actually uh, you know I I told you previously to make the long story short yeah because and and you just talked about some of the um, the environment and the feed and the background of all these uh, late decisions we 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 made. The ten day quarantine in Abu Dhabi is something for tourists. We were supposed to go there for the four races, the two events over three weeks under a special permit with a maximum of 48 hours isolation upon arrival after having done a test on the spot at the airport. Yes. The delayed decisions from some European countries had a domino effect yes. on the perception of international traveling from mostly Europe and the rest of the world to the UAE and Abu Dhabi especially. So. And we ended up with having to face this 10-day quarantine again, which was, on the principle, on the paper, was not supposed to be the case for Asian Le being an elite sport coming under the a special, you know, um, exemption and biosphere created for for the Asian Le Mans series. So, but at the end of the day, you know, we managed to find a way to to um, to keep going with the two events and four races, adding one racetrack to the to the schedule. So, um, let's see at the positives. And uh, let's let's uh, yeah, let's move forward, you know. And we have to say, Cyril, that I know from your point of view, from everybody in the Asian Le Mans series point of view, and certainly from your teams and your stakeholders, nobody's going to compromise safety here. Nobody's going to question any of the decisions that are made. We know we're in a difficult situation at the moment. The watchword is to be able to adapt and continue. And that's what you guys have done. This is what we try to do, yeah, of course. So hopefully, hopefully it's the last change, and uh, and we can enjoy this amazing grid that we have managed to put together. Um, Cyril, I've got to ask you a question. Have Have you been to the Dubai Autodrome before? Yeah, yeah. First time I was, oh, you know, <laughs> a little bit of history. Uh, the first time for me was in back in two thousand six. And uh, yeah, I quite like the place, you know. But it's uh, it's uh, yeah, I've been there a long, long time ago already. Ah, uh, you can. It's going to race so well. It, it's going to be a brilliant. Event. I was there three weeks ago, and uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> and uh, I go back uh, in three weeks. Yeah. Uh, and I, I promise you, it was only when we were there last year at this time that we had the bad weather. You will not have the bad weather. There will I be no rain. That. There will be no up to the knees in water in the pit lane. I promise you, I'm telling you this as, as your friend, we've done that. It won't happen again. That was the once in 100 years. You'll have a great event there. Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. And if the weather turned bad, then I call you. Huh? <laughs> it's all my fault. It's all my <laughs> fault, Cyril. Excellent job by everybody concerned. You, the team... Uh, and indeed your teams and your stakeholders. You'll have a great time there. And uh, if you need any good places to go in Dubai, uh, speak to me or Eve. We've got some really smashing places that we know you can hang out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you very much, John. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure, Cyril. Thank you. Cyril Tashvalen joining us tonight. Uh, Nick Damon is on the line. You know Dubai. Uh, They're going to have a decent time there, aren't they? I think so, yes. I mean, yeah. I was I was a bridge away from going myself this week, but there we go. Mm, let's not talk about that. No, um, let's not. Co- let's come back to that in, in a moment. Uh, David Two Bruce tuning in a bit late. Brutal day at work. Uh, please talk about motorsport. We are going to be tonight. DTB, hope you're 
all right and uh, the collective is always here for you of course ted the toyman says the lewis hamilton signing his contract episode eight of midweek motorsport for me just added his race number together for are we, are we, for... Like, we should do an over and under with betfair shouldn't we yeah we should <laughs> so we've had a five and an eight rob jana says great to see what the the uh asian le mans series are doing with the calendar i'd love to go out and marshal there once it gets back to normal hello to duncan, duncan vincent north the border in scotland great chat uh with uh every uh with uh cyril good uh to, uh, to hear you as ever uh hello from snowy scotland uh, Dunk, I hope everything's all right. Need to have a chat with you, actually. You need to give me a wee bit of an update about something we were talking about a few shows ago uh, as well. And uh, hello to Kevin Payne uh, and to Jackie. Uh, Miss Jax is on. She cannot be on the. Oh, no, she can be, I suppose. Yeah, she'll be up now, won't we're she? a long way ahead of us. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait for the Asian Le Mans series. Uh, and she says, I know I'm biased, but I'm, I'm really <laughs> looking forward to it. Dave Alcock says, the words of wisdom of Cyril Teshvalen from the Asian Le Mans series, it's in good hands. I'll be tuning in for a great month's racing. Only uh, all in, uh, in effectively, a 10-day period now. Um, it's a shame they've had to do this, Nick. We understand why. We've been watching, for various reasons, the different, uh, the different uh, quarantine regulations within the different Emirates. As you heard Cyril saying there, they didn't get the, the waiver that they were expecting. So that would have been 10 days for everybody going through. And as I said, it's all GPS on your wrist. There's, there's no way around that. I, I think they've been given lemons... And they've not just made lemonade, they've made vintage champagne out of this because going to Dubai for a couple of races, as I said to him, no disrespect to Abu Dhabi, but it's certainly not taking anything away from the championship. No, it's good for the Dubai Autodrome, which due to a really weird set of circumstances, never quite managed to host the big event. That's a very good point. The biggest event it's really had was they won GP way back, like, 06, 07, mm. and, and they've always seemed to miss out on, on anything else of, of great import. I'm sure Tim's going to tell me that they've had um, Formula 3000, which is reasonable import. It's an Asian Formula 3000, wouldn't they? Um, that series. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's good GP2 to get a... GP2 Asia. There you go. That's not It was a winter okay. series. Winter series are just there to fill time. Well, it's. I mean, it's going to be interesting. It'll be very interesting. I think, I think the, the teams are going to enjoy it. The drivers are going to enjoy it. It's a good track, and I think, you know... We, we all know that Yasmarine is a fantastic facility, but um, Does I, it race possibly, well? I was about to say, I think possibly Bahrain. I don't know Dubai, but race rather better. We've seen, and you in particular, have seen LMP2's race around or something very akin to LMP2's race around Bahrain a couple of years ago with the no, I've done you there, haven't I? Hmm? I made you say Bahrain. <laughs> Sorry, that's uh, really interesting. Uh, around that's Dubai, so yes, yeah, and they raced well round there. There wasn't a big field, but in a mixed category field with over thirty cars, was it thirty-six cars they've got? I think that's going to be really worth watching. I think it's going to be. I genuinely, and you know, I have no axe to bear one way or the other. But I think it's going to be cracking. To be honest, it's mm. not. You know, it should be. It should be uh, they're four-hour races, aren't they? Yeah, for all four. So that's four four-hour races. So it's Friday and Saturday in. Dubai, and then the following... Sorry, it's Saturday and Sunday. I knew I'd get this wrong. Saturday and Sunday in Dubai, and then the following week, it's Friday and Saturday in Abu Dhabi. So not a lot of time if you get something wrong, you lunch the car, or at yeah, least you don't something. Do it, no. No. 
uh, and you have to be good whilst you're in Dubai because if you take your PCR test before you go into Abu Dhabi and you don't pass it, you're going to lose half your season. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of people living in very, very cloistered bubbles and they, they won't be out there enjoying the freedoms that Dubai has, which Abu Dhabi don't, doesn't. Uh, we look forward Abu to Dhabi that. Doesn't. Thank Abu Dhabi, well, do not. But they can have a party there for the end of the season. And what would that, that be? What would that be, Nick? A really nice party. Yeah, it really would be. Um, just after 25 but past But really eight. expensive. Um, mm. Mm. Uh, just after 25 past eight, Midweek Motorsports Series 2, uh, Series 16, Episode 2. Uh, calendar news, the top news, and that's not the only calendar news because you do love a nice bit of calendar news, Tim, don't you? I do. Uh, I just want to go back to something you said just now. Oh, OK, go on. Um, when you were talking about Duncan Vincent. And he did yes. a very good interview the other day with uh, John McGuinness, MBE. Ah, uh, excellent. Um, Where can we I find really that? Uh, there's a link to it on Duncan's uh, Twitter. Excellent. Don't retweet that, and uh, I'll tweet it again, because I know he's I listening. I think he might have done it on Instagram. He'll be he'll be enjoying a nice mul- sing, single malt, if I know Duncan at this time on a Wednesday, which as soon as the show is over, I'll be joining him in, obviously. That's a deal. Mm, certainly sounds like a deal, uh, doesn't it? All right, let's 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 go back to my link then that we rehearsed earlier. Go so, well. calendar news kicks us off tonight with our top story, Tim, and that's not only... The only calendar news, because you do like a bit of calendar news. Yes, and uh, we have to do the other calendar news in a particular order. Um, do we? Yes. Uh, and we're going to start with Formula One. Hooray! Let me check my diary. <laughs> I'd imagine it's slightly uh, more empty in February than it was before. It is, yes. I, I, I don't wish to claim Mystic Meg status, but didn't I do get all of this right? We did this last week. Last week. Yeah, we can, we can um, move China on. China being off, replaced by uh, Imola, which was definite, and that then optional date, which we believe we poured to Mao, trying to squeeze Australia in the 21st of November, shuffling the Americans into a triple header, which is amazing. I think going, going Austin, Mexico, Brazil, if these things happen, obviously, is a big ask um, as a triple header. Uh, and then say um, Melbourne the twenty first of November. So yeah, I mean it's uh, they're, they're they're keeping on keeping on that they want to have these races, and they're saying they might try and replace China. I think my feeling is that they are really pleased to be getting into Europe as quickly as possible. Obviously yes. Bahrain is completely safe, um, and for safe to run a race in. Um, mm. So they can now go into Europe, and and that's where they feel comfortable and. You know, they can. I mean, the one the race I'm already questioning is Canada, even though nothing's been said about it. Mm. And that's just because we're all lovely, lovely in Europe, and we're going to fly over to Canada on mass and back for a week. You know, I I, I think, and, and you know, and, and obviously, you know, we're talking early June. It's a commercial race that really needs people to be there to make sense because obviously you're building a semi-street track as with Albert Park there. So I'm not I, obviously I really like how my favourite tracks so I want it to happen, but my feeling is there's a very good chance that will, will, will go by the wayside. I've just retweeted, by the way, the link from Duncan with uh, John McGuinness. Now the uh, titled John McGuinness, and also hello to the great Gonzo who hasn't listened for a while, but France Telecom's playing 
ball this evening and, and he's listening May we? live. What does that do, what does that do then uh, to the other calendar surrounding for because we can we can speculate as much as we want, Tim, about how many of those races will will actually go ahead. And and actually, let's be honest, nobody knows right now. Nobody knows. But provisionally, what does that do to other calendars? Because if you move F1, you don't just move F1, do you? You don't. Let's uh, talk about Formula Two, which uh, was mm. previously due to start its season. Uh, at the Bahrain Grand Prix at the end of March, and it's still going to do that. Good. Right. Uh, round two is on the uh, 20th to the 22nd of May at Monaco. So that's Sorry, stop, stop, rewind. Re- when is the first round? 28th to the 28th of March. So getting on for two months between round one and oh, oh, first it's nine event, second yes. event. Yeah, nine weeks. Hmm, okay, well, plenty of time to relax. Yeah, get the cars fixed, uh, uh-huh. and then they then they've just got uh, a fortnight before they go to Baku. Two weeks for those of you who don't do that idiom. Yes, uh, and then so that's the fourth to the sixth of June. Uh, British Grand Prix, Silverstone, sixteenth to the eighteenth of July. That's uh, five, six weeks. Six weeks. Six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another lengthy gap. Fourth to the sixth of June, by the way, is Le Mans Test Weekend. So it is. There's so much going on on Test Weekend. Yeah. Yeah, it's only that, test. It, 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 yeah, but you have to be there if you haven't been there. Yeah, see what I mean. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, then the Silverstone. Silverstone. After Silverstone. Uh, so Silverstone, 16th to the 18th of July. Uh, then uh, staying in Europe uh, for the Italian round at Monza, Excellent. the 10th Two to the 12th later. of September. What? <laughs> 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 you kidding me? Because obviously no. you've got to have that summer break, don't you? Which they've made uh, eight weeks. Well, there is potentially the Olympics. Yeah. Well, that isn't the point. The point the point is that Tim's getting to is that they are going to run eight rounds in the same in one week less than they're going to run in twenty three rounds. Uh, after Monza, uh, just two weeks until they go to Sochi, twenty fourth right. to the twenty sixth of. Um, Lucky them. September. Right, so hang on. So hang on. 11 million weeks between Silverstone and between the UK and Italy and then just two weeks between Italy and, and Russia. Russia. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then the next round... I mean, round it's doable. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not saying it isn't. Definitely doable. They do it in a normal year. Um, then the next round is on the 3rd to the 5th of December at uh, <laughs> Saudi Arabia. Oh, that'll be, you know, interesting. Right. And then okay. uh, Two and a half. then they have just five days to regroup for uh, Abu Dhabi. Well, they can have their end-of-season party. Um, yeah. And their Formula 2 drivers, so they can afford it. Th- th- and this is meant to save money, isn't it? <laughs> no, well, this is just following Formula 1 now. Yeah. Well, no, the reason being is, as I said just a second ago, because they separated F2 and F3, so they have eight weekends of their own, and because F2 chose to have a weekend at the start and a weekend at the back, there's a huge amount of space they've got to fill up with any eight rounds. They're filling 10 months or nine months with eight rounds compared to, say, F1 filling it with 23 rounds, theoretically. Mm. Um, it is a bit weird. They bunged in two in the last two weeks, though. Remember, it's having to alternate with uh, Formula 3 because they're not on the same weekends. So Formula 3's calendar looks like this. They don't start until uh, Barcelona on the 7th of May. Right. Uh, then they have uh, Paul Ricard on the 25th to the 27th of June. Right, right. OK. Well, that's not too bad. Six weeks. Six yeah, weeks. Okay. Seven weeks, is that? Six yeah, weeks. Yeah, six, seven weeks. Seven. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, OK. Uh, 
then uh, Austria, uh, which is uh, again five days after Paul Ricard. Okay. Uh, then they have three weeks off, and then they go to Budapest. Right. Mm -hmm. Then it's the midsummer break, uh, uh -huh. which is another th four weeks before they go to Spa. Yeah. And then five days before they go to Zandvoort. Right. And then another seven-week gap before the season finale in Austin. Yeah, that's it's still many, 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 many weeks before the season finale of GP. I mean, yeah, it's still F2, two yeah. months before Formula 2 season finale. F3 looks a more sensible ca calendar, well, doesn't let's, it? Let's just push this it through, It starts right? later if and we, finishes we look... earlier and has the same yes. number of yeah, events. But, but, but also, with, with F2, where you know, people are moving on to bigger and better things, there's virtually no chance the championship is anywhere near decided coming into December. Yeah. Uh, and more importantly, no one's going to know where the supervisor's points are going. Oh, that's a very good point. That is a good point. That so, is so yes. yes. It's ending too late. I don't, I, I'm not quite sure why they why they for people to plan for the following year is what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah. if there were, if there happened to be any spaces in Formula One, yeah. Who knows? Do I need to, who knows? Well, there may be spaces. I'm sure there will be spaces in the next year. I can think of two straight off. Well, possibly three, because maybe Lewis won't sign by... Well, that's by, not that. The two, by, the two I'm thinking... Midway there. Motorsport number eight. The two I'm thinking both drive for the same team, so never mind. OK. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport, coming up the 25 minutes before uh, nine o'clock in the evening. This is Series 16, Episode 2. And it's good to have your company. Uh, at Specutainment, if you wouldn't mind, to get in touch with us uh, tonight. It's 1-0... Nil-nil and uh, a match postponed, I'm afraid, just to uh, prove we're it's live. It's a live match yeah. Yeah, Well, no, yeah, indeed, live. Live, live postponement. Postponed. Oh, yeah. Live postponement information, only here, mm. all live, all the time, and postponed. Yeah. Uh, it's coming up in the second half of tonight's programme, in case you forgot. Uh, we'll be having Shea Adam, who's been doing a little bit of detective work to find out uh, some of those TBAs that are still uh, on the... In fact, I think the, the list might have just come out, actually, but uh, I know that she's been looking at that. I haven't seen the list uh, yet for the Rolex, but she'll be checking that to make sure she knows what's going on. Uh, we'll be talking about Ollie Gavin coming back before that, actually. I think we'll probably chat with that with Nick before uh, we get to 9 o'clock. Uh, and your submissions, please, to at Specutainment. Uh, Tim, are, are we staying with Formula One? No. We'll come back to yeah, Formula really? One briefly. Uh, but okay. I just oh. want to quickly mention um, who's done best out of the uh, calendar shuffles. Oh, yes. Do the calendar shuffle. Um, that, <laughs> that would be the uh, Porsche Super Cup. Oh, really? Porsche Mobilite Super Cup. This is the because? most sensible calendar I've ever seen. Right. Uh, it starts at uh, Monaco, so we know mm -hmm. that's the end of May. Mm -hmm. Then they race at uh, Paul Ricard, end of June. Mm -hmm. uh, Red Bull Ring, first week of July. Mm -hmm. Silverstone, third week of July. Mm -hmm. Hungary, fifth week of July. Mm -hmm. Spa, end of August. Yes. Zandvoort, following weekend. Right. Monza following weekend. Oh, brilliant. Eight rounds, and it's all done in the case of one, two, three, four, all in four months. Good. That's the way to do it. Uh, hello to Rob Jana, who's listening to, with uh, daughter. Now, I hope I'm going to say this right. Laya. 
L-Y-L-A. Uh, and they said, is that James May on the show? That would be you, Nick. Really? Yes. Blimey. I'm, He's I am not Captain old. Slow. He is actually quite old. quick. <laughs> but does yeah, he Sunday. need a haircut? Yes, absolutely. Not as Locked much as Jeremy Shaw. Not well, as Jeremy much Shaw as Jeremy left Shaw. left his house for 15 months. Jeremy Shaw has a ponytail. Jeremy Shaw's in California. They, 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 aren't they all shut it, like we are? It really, it really suits him. He's got a ponytail. He has a ponytail. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, no, no. It suits him. I was expecting some kind of, you know, eclectic poetry from him when I, I last spoke to him. Anyway, right. it's by the back. We'll get some pictures to prove. Uh, Nick, you mentioned that um, you were worried about Canada. Well, the Canadian Grand Prix, not necessarily the whole nation. Well, the country itself is doing fine. Very well. We do, we, we do like... In terms of position like on the calendar, you were worried about Canada. Right. Yeah. Um, yes. Are you not more worried about the uh, possibility that the Sao Paulo Grand Prix might not happen following this week's uh, uh, news no, and court it's case? Just legals. It's just legals. Basically, what's happened is that somebody has objected to the fact that Sao Paulo is putting municipal money. It's not just the um, the Abu Dhabi cash. They put some municipal money from Sao Paulo in, and um, some local guy has moaned that it's just they just put the money in without the whole thing being tendered. So the idea was you tender the entire Grand Prix because local money's in it. Mm-hmm. So they have apparently broken Brazilian procedures, and I'll, I'll just leave that concept there that you can go to court for breaking a Brazilian procedure. Um, and therefore it's been temporarily um, put on hold, but that's going to last one envelope, I would think. So you do think that that will happen as as yeah, advertised? Uh, Andy Blackmore has tweeted... No, 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 there are other threats to it, but that isn't one of them. OK, Andy Blackmore has tweeted at Spectre Tainment to say, severe doubts Canadian GP will happen at all. Strict closed borders, 14-day quarantine, East Coast taking a COVID battering at the moment. It's taken an age to get an NHL season set up, and that's only with one Canadian division. Interesting. And hello, by the way, to real John Roscoe, VSM. Um, he's a bit late, uh, but it's all right. You're here. You're here now. Uh, well, we'll keep an eye on all of that. Matt Hunter uh, points out that the next two weeks of Champions Cup rugby is postponed. Premier rugby uh, also uh, doing the same a couple of weeks down, a whole month without rugby. How is he going to annoy Jordan Groves? Mm. Uh, moving on. Notecias en español. Olé. Por midweek motorsport. Promised you all the regular features. Mm-hmm. Toto Wolf Rompio en silencio. And oh. plena negociación con Lewis Hamilton. Well, well, there we go. Indeed. It, no, but what you, you've 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 um, interpreted Rompio the wrong way there. It's the silencio that's the important thing. Well, he's doing it all What's quietly. Ha- no, the, 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 Rompio is a, is is a is actually a, an auction house in Spain, and it's a silent auction that's going on. Ah. So the sealed bids <laughs> um, from both of them going in about how much they should pay, how many PA opportunities do, and whether or not they can actually call Christian Horner what they should call him in, but they can't for, for, for real reasons. Of, uh, so of this, this, is all about, this is all about Lewis's contract then, is it? It's about Lewis and Toto having a silent silent war of bids. Mm, carry on. Carta de que pasa 
es un día más en el que Lewis Hamilton no renuevo su contrato con Mercedes. El piloto británico de 36 años, vigente campeón mundial y ganador de los últimos cuatro títulos de manera consecutiva, todavía no aseguró con, con su continuidad. En ese contexto, uno de los directivos más importantes de la escudería alemania ha roto el silencio para expresar sus sensaciones. Right. Well, I think the important thing there was he mentioned eggs, didn't they? I heard that. So what they think is Toto, he doesn't want to put all his eggs in one basket. So he's also sending out more silencio to several other drivers as well. Um, you know, to make sure the 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 team, yeah, the, the German team is not short of drivers. So he's actually put in a silent bid for every single driver. <laughs> Son palabras que muestran a Wolf, ah. optimista de cara a la continuidad de un Hamilton, que conquistó seis de sus siete títulos. Mundiales con Mercedes y esta campaña podría hacer historia si vuelva a alzar el trofeo ya que se convertirá en el máximo ganador de, el, de, sorry, de la historia de la Formula 1. Of course. Oh, yes, well, that changed it. Oh, be well, very it's, careful yeah, here, please. Well, no, it's, it's, changed, it's changed track, actually. I, I, I misunderstood. The, the, what actually has happened is that he's actually attending a silent auction uh, where he's competing against all of the other drivers for various artifacts from the conquistadors. So this is for people who went over to uh, uh, what is now Latin America and Excellent. So he's looking for people. So basically, there's now F1 site auction for the spoils of the 17th century rape of South America. Por ahora, el piloto inglés descansa en las playas de Turks and Caicos Islands, pero cuidan right. menos de dos meses para el arranque de la pretemporada. Well, there we are, I see. So, well, I do like a nice empatada. Well, exactly, and they're particularly concentrating on the issue of the Turks and Caicos Islands, which, mm. which we know is, uh, is is on the coast of uh, of South America. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, as you said, there's a couple of dinner, dinner guests as well. So but I think actually what may be happening is perhaps, it, perhaps Toto and Lewis are actually having a bit of a convivial chat over the signed auction. Lovely. Pese a que hay versiones que sostienen que Hamilton podría retirarse de la Formula 1, después de igular el record de Michael Schumacher en las casas de apuestos de Reino Unido, las probabilidades sugerían que va a seguir compitiendo. Por ejemplo, en Paddy Power, su jubilación definitiva del automóvil Realismo paga 4 to 1 y un renuncia a Mercedes SRL 1 to 7. Oh, interesting. Well, so now we've got onto betting, have we here? Well, what's happened here is, is it's quite interesting because obviously they're, they're mentioning Michael Schumacher mm-hmm. and it appears that, um, that someone from the Schumacher estate is also bidding, um, but the ah. odds of him getting the deal are, are 4 to 1, whereas it's 7 to 1 on that uh, Lewis and Toto will gain their choice of Very uh, good. 1 to 7, yes, 4 to 1 yeah. on, 7 to 1 on, yes, 7 to 1 against. Very good, yes. Very good. I see what you're saying. Is uh, that it, that's then? That's it, yes. Hmm. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's important news, because now we know why they aren't signing Condor. They're too busy buying plundered goods. Does that... Do they come from privateers? See, that's a whole different question. No, they're Midway pirates. Midway Motorsport. They're just paid Mid- pirates. 
<laughs> Pirates. Midweek Motorsport, a quarter to nine, 15 minutes before nine o'clock, Greenwich Mean Time. It is season 16, episode two. Uh, plenty still to come. Uh, the responsible adult uh, has uh, just fired this in for comment. Have you seen this, uh, Tim? Hang on, on the, let me uh, look at my messages from the responsible adult. Yes. RA messages, it's under. I'll do this. I'll do this bit. Um, uh, this went live yesterday at yes, four right. o'clock. Yes. Four o'clock in the afternoon. Now, many times when we've been doing this show over the last 16 series, 15 years, or is that 16 series, 17 years? I can't remember which, whether we did a season that was more than a year. All right, okay. Um, so many times over the last decade and a half, people have said, we would really like to know how we can influence what's going on in motorsport. Mm. Well, here's a chance. It doesn't happen very often, but yesterday at four o'clock UK time, the Quick Fit BTCC, British Cheering Car Championship Survey for 2021 went live. Now, we're going to tweet all the links for this, but it's it's really kind of important for us who are interested and involved in motorsport to tell the people who run motorsport what we actually like and what we don't like because otherwise it gets taken up by people who might not be involved in motorsport like i don't know marketing companies or <laughs> or you know um What's that focus group thing? And I'm talking about a Ford focus group there. Um, and sometimes... A big group they... of Ford focuses in British touring cars this year. Mm, indeed. Um, very, very interesting. Uh, it'll take you about 15 minutes. It's dead easy. Um, there's a few bits and pieces about yourself, but you can do it anonymously. Uh, and you can go through it. What we really need, if you're a fan, or even if you're not... In fact, actually... Especially if you're not. Why aren't you a fan of the Quick Fit British Touring Car Championship? Get on to the links. And it's There's all a question about stuff. which other uh, things you are a fan of so that they exactly. can see what, what else you might like and what crossover there is, um, which is something really important for drivers um, who are trying to attract mm. sponsorship. Yeah, that's a very good point. And also broadcasters and, as you say, sponsors and manufacturers as well. So take 15 minutes out. It's something that you could Do you think we could in. actually use this in a way to in, encourage new sponsors into the sport? Yes. Like, if we all pretended we liked soup, would Campbell's come in and sponsor a car? <laughs> That's excellent. I think Everybody they might think, soup. I think they might think that that market is already uh, mature if uh, there are that many uh, people liking soup, but you never know. Yeah, but, yeah, the, but you're not the whole argument, the whole the argument is about, about, yes. about changing brands. Yes, it's I not don't want Heinz soup, I want Campbell's soup. That's a very good point. It's not about whether you like... I want a Campbell's soup. That's right. If you like soup but you're not sure what brand you like, you should be advertised in British Touring Car Championship. Exactly. Because 100% of people who answered from Midweight Motorsport <laughs> said they ate soup. Right, I, that, I'm not saying that that question will be on there, but I've you done get the, survey. the point. I don't remember a soup question, I must say. No soup question? No. Oh, that's disappointing. Um, mm. Listen, we're making a bit of fun you about this. You know what it is, don't you? Why? It's BTCC, not super touring. Mm, very good. I see what you did there. Listen, we're making a bit of fun about this, <laughs> but we're doing, we're doing it in a way because we want you to understand that these kind of things are there, and if you don't then partake in them, then 
things happen that you go, why did they do that? Well, that's because people who are really interested in the sport didn't involve themselves in it. So it's us to blame, all of us to blame, when things go a bit soup-shaped, or not soup-shaped, <laughs> as the case may be. The response of... Depends what shape ball you put it in. Um, or how cold it is. Well, exactly right. Uh, the responsible adult will tweet the link as well uh, as as I... I'll, in fact, I'm going to do it. Let me just... I've just pulled it up, actually. I was about to go through and do it while Nick was talking. But uh, I, I thought I'd better mention it first. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll get that up very, very... Endurance rounds of British Touring Car Championship sent Alan Prosser. There is, there is a part, Alan, that says... What would you like to see more of, less of? That type of thing. So, please, take part. We'll stick it on the Facebook uh, as well. Simon Hoff says, Soup's okay, but I'm from the Whiskey Marketing Board. Simon, you're very welcome here. Very, very <laughs> welcome. Is that real? <laughs> please, please, please bring a selection of uh, different ones so that we can see which is best. Literally, if there's anyone who wants any help whiskey marketing, I'm happy to be a taste tester. I think we should be recipient of whiskey of any forms. You can't road test whiskey because obviously you couldn't drive afterwards. But know, we could so like. We could sofa test whiskey. I'm you happy know. to say I'm happy to back. Veering away from the whiskey well, now. You know how yes, good. on-demand platforms obviously give you targeted advertising to you? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I keep getting adverts for toothpaste. Careful. Right. Well, you use toothpaste, though, I do, don't you? But toothpaste is one of those things that you are immensely brand loyal to. I am not going to change my uh, think? brand of well, toothpaste just because... Of advertising, it's not going to work. Uh, well, you see, so stop wasting your money, Sensodyne. It's not you're, happening. You're ten years younger than me, so I, I'm still from the 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 period of advertising where the only thing that was pointing in toothpaste was fluoride. So as long as it's got fluoride in it, I feel it's fine, and I haven't got to worry about the rest of it. Are you a colourful striped man, Nick? I have used colourful stripes in the past. And in fact, signal. That would be I signal. When it's all right. We can mention brand names here. I'm not still working for the BBC. We oh, actually right. need to get back to motorsport. We did get tweets saying, talk about motorsport tonight. Oh, sorry, tonight. yes, good point. Uh, uh, soup, yeah. whiskey and toothpaste. Uh, tomorrow toothpaste. there's a meeting of uh, MotoGP teams to discuss moving the Qatar Grand Prix. Are they? I know they've had the Sepang, Sepang, uh, the Sepang uh, uh, practice test called off. Um, much as oddly, which is exactly what John predicted last week. Yeah. Um, but which, which was which was a surprise to them because of the guy who runs the Petronas team is the uh, the nephew of the, the prime minister. So they do have some clout there. But apparently, it's all going um, quite badly in Malaysia as well. We did all right with our predictions last week, didn't we? Between us. Yeah. Honestly, I should have gone. Should have should have gone down the. Uh, the bookies and put loads of money mm. on. Uh, was it? Was it? Who was it? Who was it? Beat Leeds? Was it uh, Crawley? Yes, because you got some good numbers on that. Yeah, uh, there I've are, played on that pitch. Th- there were two options. Uh, mm. One of which is to move the uh, Qatar race uh, to a week earlier. Right. And the other option is to leave it where it is, but move the pre-season tests in Qatar. Uh, a week back, so that there isn't this fourteen-day uh, gap between the two. That's a minor problem. They're not going to call it off. No, they're just going to change it. Mm. They, I think, moving it to a week earlier might be the version they go for because currently it clashes with the Austra- uh, sorry with the Bahrain Grand Prix. 
which oh. is... Uh, oh, yes. You wouldn't want that. No, they're both the uh, same time both, of day as both well. Are, both are floodlit as well, aren't they? So. Mm. Uh, Ollie Gavin. Yes. Ollie G. Yardley yes. Hastings' finest sports car driver. And he well, still is. Well, you wonder. But what happened to if, you know, if Matt Griffin decides to move there? Well, no. Ollie's taller than Matt. But Matt's active. But so but is Ollie. Well, I know. It's active, surprising. But only another, at the Rolex. Another... Another very short retirement. No, he didn't say he was retiring. He didn't say he was retiring. He was leaving Corvette. I've got a theory about this. Drove the mid-engined Corvette V8. Didn't Mm. like the sound behind him. Has gone back to a front-engined V8. Simple as. Seems like a good answer. He's in the Lexus with AIM. Now just AIM. uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they will be in the Rolex 24, and he's very excited to go back there. It, obviously, it's a different category for him, uh, big category, lots of challenges there, and you know what? He's a pro. He'll do what Ollie does. He's pretty much plug and play in anything that you do. I'm really interested to see how he goes, and we wish him the best, and we'll try and get him on the programme before the Rolex 24. We were going to try and get him in tonight, but we had rather a lot. So there you go. Yes. Uh, some quick F1 news about. Uh, yeah, we've got yes. some. We've got some job news and some sponsor news. Oh yes, I forgot completely about the I Alpine you had. story. Yes. Yes. So Cyril Betterball, who uh, was promoted. Uh, from being uh, head of uh, the Renault F1 team, which is now Alpine, to head of Alpine mm. everything, uh, yes. now suddenly doesn't have a job at Alpine or Renault. No, did he? Did he leave or was he pushed, Nick? I have questions. So the questions I have: Did he leave or was he pushed? And let's not forget that um, Jermaine Storrell resigned in December from Renault Sport. Uh, he was the president of Renault Sport. So was was Cyril pushed or did he jump? Is this a reflection on the rebrand? Is it a fresh start or is it a clean out? Answer those. Uh, I would think he may have had a light easing. Um, what does that mean? It what, means somebody that... put a bit of WD-40 on him. Basically, yeah. It's like, yeah, well, have you thought of perhaps not being with us? You know, we don't want you to go, obviously. You couldn't say... No, I mean, the fact that, uh, as you say... Um... The French have a brilliant saying. When they when they want to get rid of somebody, they say that they are going to be um, a cutter de la porte, moved closer to the door or beside yeah. the door. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but then let's be, let's, first of all, let's not be worried for Cyril. We've received lovely payoff with Davio, Bri- Davio Brio and everyone else coming in. Brivio. Uh, yeah. Brivio. Um, you know, there's been some change at the senior management. Um, I think. Cyril could see that it wasn't, you know, necessarily he wasn't still within the same senior management who appointed him. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I, I don't think I made any secrets, but I don't think he's a very good team principal. I've never thought he's a very good team principal. I don't necessarily, I think he's a good example of you being promoted beyond what you were actually, not necessarily your talents, but what you actually wanted to do. Because remember, he was running the engine uh, project and then got the, the team as well. I think he's made a huge number of mistakes whilst running the team. I think he's not managed to present the team in a particularly good light on a number of occasions for no discernible reason. For example, his rather petulant response when 
Uh, Danny Rick announced he was leaving at the beginning of last season, which doesn't need to do it. You don't need to say it. it doesn't help anybody. Um, luckily, Danny Rick and Danny Rick is the sort of person who you can, you know, who can who can brush that off. But you know, I I don't think he was up to the job. Is he, he going to get, still get the tattoo? Has he got the tattoo? That's all we care about. That's all anybody in F1 cares about right now. I never cared about it. I, I don't care about it now. Uh, but anyway, it is he. Uh, and by the way, to, to Paul Sharp, yes, you're right. It is now Vassar Sullivan, not Aim, and that I did it. You did the other way around, didn't you? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, you know, I think, I think, yeah, he was. It's, it's not a surprise. I think it's a very good move for our planters to to start with a, with a clean sheet. They got some very good senior man, motorsport management on board, both from the the racing F1 side, and obviously they, they poached a motor okay. GP. So yeah, it's all good. And what's gone from pink to green, we think? Uh, that'll be, well, Well, that's obviously always green, as Aston Martin. But it does appear that they are no longer uh, with BWT, the magnesium water company who've pinked everything, um, despite me never seeing, ever, ever seeing any of this stuff for sale or the purifiers for sale or anything. So I've, got the, that I've got the lawyers on the 40. Have you not been to Germany to recently? Yeah. Or indeed in the I mean, last five recently. years. He's not been anywhere in the last recently. Five years. He's meant to be on a plane now. <laughs> Don't. Yeah. Leave him. Leave that. Don't talk about travel with him. It's a sore point. Very sore point. Anyway, back to the story again. He could again. still have uh, gone. He yes, just so... wouldn't have been able to come back. That's... Oh, yeah, which is kind of important. <laughs> yes. Well, um, not now, because you could have stayed out there for the Age in the Mons series. Um, move on. Very good point. Another point. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, so ben, not Ben. The Aston Martin. Sponsored... Yes, Aston Martin it, are going to be sponsored by... Cognizant, who I believe. Do you are, know who Cognizant uh, are? I should do. They're a they're a facilities management computer company, but I can't remember offhand exactly which bit they do. It is, it is a huge conglomerate, uh, originally of Indian um, uh, origin, and although they have offices in New York as well uh, and other places around the world, they have so many different companies underneath them. The most interesting thing about this. Um, they've, they've, they have had some very interesting run, run-ins with various governments around the world about their working practices, yeah. including in the States and including being cited with Disney for bad working practices. Um, and no jokes about Mickey Mouse here because it really was very bad indeed the way um, they were treating their employees. Um, the most important thing is that their very simple logo, which is the word cognizant uh, uh, in white, was shown on green and not pink. Do we read uh, anything think... into that? Well, also, they've been showing the, the top of Sebastian Vettel's overalls, which are Aston Martin green, and Sebastian Vettel's logo, which is green. So, mm. yeah, they're obviously, uh, you know, they're obviously BWT, they are responsible, will not um, were they a Checo sponsor, or were they originally? No, 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 they were just a sponsor, sponsor. So where they're they going now? Because they're still no, spending they're, they're money. Everywhere. They were everywhere. They were all over DTM. They, they turned up on. I was watching uh, Four Hills ski jumping, and they sponsored mm. some people in that as well. So they're everywhere on their sponsorship. So I'm sure if they still want to be in F1, which is always debatable, you don't know. They've been there for several years. Um, there will be a number of people circling them who need cash. So that's every single team apart from the top three. Uh, that's Nick Damon. He'll be back in hour two. And here's what's coming. Midweek hour. Motorsport. Half time. And while we swap ends, here's what's coming up. Well, plenty. As I mentioned, Nick Damon will be back as we have a quick look at 
the Dubai 24 hours, which we'll start a coverage of uh, tomorrow, actually, Thursday. Uh, a reminder that we'll be talking prototypes with the prototype panel straight after this show tonight. Shea Adam will join us from the United States with a roundup of IMSA and other sports car news. And my goodness me, aside from Ollie Gavin, we've got plenty to talk about tonight. Your tweets, please, on at Spectatainment. But coming up next, to kick off the second hour, we've got some new programming news for RS1. Is it new? Is it not new? You be the judge as we kick off the second hour. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. So coming up, not this Thursday, as in tomorrow, but next week, we have a brand new show. Or is it? Well, that's the question I'm going to ask Jordan Groves, who joins us now, one of the former Tora Radio Show team, who now is getting ready, and I'm sure putting in all the hard yards, for the new Simcast show. First of all, Happy New Year, Jordan. How are you? Yeah, Happy New Year. Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Very well, thank you. Very well. Tell us about Simcast then. Is it a natural progression from... Tora Radio Show, and 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 if so, why the name change? Um, I would say it's very much uh, evolution rather than revolution. I've probably heard that many times over the years from all sorts of <laughs> corners of motorsport. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it's very much um, just a continuation of the Tora Radio Show, just a, just a little bit of a, a rebrand, a little bit of a name change, you know, just dusting off a little bit, spring cleaning kind of thing. <laughs> so same show we've come to grow and know and love over the last few years, just... New name. What we should say is that what what started as the Toro Radio Show, and that was kind of a holding name anyway. Let's be honest. Um, uh, the the Toro, the, the online radio, the online racing association. <laughs> sorry, um, did such great work in in developing online racing, and indeed is still the only online racing association that has recognition from its local uh, or national should i say um motorsport authority being the the msa here in the uk but i i think having talked to you and the martin and one of the other guys there was a bit of in some ways there was a bit of misunderstanding about oh then they're only talking about torah and you never only talked about the the torah organized uh, events and uh, uh, it was much broader than that always Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think when the show first started, it very much was like a, a focus on the activities and goings on within Tora and, and with it, a, a sort of laser focus on the Xbox side of the of uh, platforms and Forza Motorsport and stuff like that. But as we grew in terms of our interest in esports, moved on to other platforms, other titles, our interest grew. So it naturally the show progressed to talking more and more about sim racing as a whole. So it kind of made sense at this point to sort of it, it wasn't as if the Torah name was holding us back. But as you said, it kind of led to this misunderstanding that we only focused on Torah, Forza, Xbox, etc. Whereas anyone who's listened to the show for the last few years knows it's it's much greater than that. We talk about esports as a whole, all yeah. the new stories, all of the new games and stuff coming out. So, yeah, it made sense to take this more general name with the Simcast. Uh, and in fairness... Because of what happened in the world in 2020, sim racing, um, and in fact, the Tora Radio Show as was, simcast as it will be uh, a week on Thursday, 
stepped up. Um, you guys went to once a week instead of once a month. And, you know, being involved here with Midweek Motorsport, I know what a commitment that is. And you guys did a great job. You reached out to a whole new section of the audience because sim racing was racing for a time. And how exciting was that then in that March through to July portion of, of 2020? It was incredibly, um, incredibly exciting for esports. It's just a shame that this kind of boost, acceleration of interest in esports came in under such dire circumstances. But Good point. I mean, if if you look at, um, I, I always, I thought that sim racing was always going to get to this level. If we look year on year at how sim racing has grown, in terms of interest and participants, it was always heading this direction. But I mean, if you look at Twitch, for example, where most of these events have been streamed. Like sim racing viewership increased by like 110% between February and April alone. <laughs> That's a massive increase. Um, and yeah, I think it's, as you said, other sports don't really have this like for like almost comparison of the, the real sport and the esports counterpart mm. because there's so many similarities. There's a lot of differences, but because there's so many similarities in terms of a visual level between the sim racing in reality and sim racing, uh, racing in reality and then sim racing, it, it, worked well as a substitute yeah and i was talking about this actually recently with a flashback from the track guys um on on their video podcast and podcast because it's transferable skills and that you look i'm i'm a big fan of fifa i play i (laughs) I used to play a lot of fifa and and with you know when you're a Sunderland football fan like i am and you play it with Sunderland, and you play it with the real Sunderland players at the time for me to fight my way through to the second level or in the world uh, when when you're playing against real people, um, that was actually quite hard. But I don't think that the skills I was using there would get me on the pitch to, I'd love to think it, to go and play, <laughs> play football. But when we saw people like Bruno Spengler and Adam Christodoulou and all the guys from the IMSA Pro Series and indeed all the other Pro Series jumping onto iRacing and indeed other platforms, that was really something different. And as I said, it wasn't the fact that it was e-racing. It was racing and it shone a light on it. And what I liked was that a lot of those online championships recognised that and certainly when we were working with with the guys at VCO towards the end of the season their digital Nürburgring series moved from a weekend because all the other guys were back racing in full metal racing as Bruce Jones coined which I thought was brilliant (laughs) and and we went to Tuesday night racing so they could stay involved do you do you think then that what we've seen, and as you say, it's under the under the wrong circumstances with what was going on in the re- in, in the world. But do you think there's going to be a lasting benefit and a lasting better understanding for esports then from what we've seen in 2020? Yeah, I think so. Um, I've, with the increased participation of both drivers, manufacturers, teams, etc. I think there will be a lasting benefit from 2020 on on sim racing. It's it's not necessarily, well, to use a bad pun, a shot in the arm, 
But it, it, and again, it was always going to get. To, <laughs> yeah. Can we have two shots in the arm, though, please? <laughs> yes, Within twelve yes, weeks, please. if you don't mind. Within Thank 12 you. Weeks, yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's a very, very UK-based joke at the moment, but never mind. Maybe <laughs> some, some people will understand. Yes, it's absolutely right. Um, yeah, I, I think it was sim racing was always going to get to this point, but yeah, I think the participation of of, of the drivers' teams and um, and manufacturers has been a massive boost last year. I mean, mm. you had some guys racing pretty much every day at, yes. at the peak. Like you had the, the likes of Lando Norris and and that who was streaming every day. Bruno Spengler, I, even I ended up having the sort of both fortune and misfortune of racing against him because as an esports person I was delighted, but then he just put manners on me. <laughs> so so um, no, I, I definitely think that that 2020 is going to have a, a lasting impact on sim racing, and it, it, even more manufacturers and drivers are getting involved. I mean, BMW now was so involved that they're racing wheel for the gt3 is on the same production line as the sim wheel yes you can unplug it from the car and put it on your rig if that's not the peak almost of sim racing integration with real world motorsport wow well (laughs) and in fact and and and, you know this this will upset some people who, who follow full metal racing but the very week that bmw announced that they were toning down to virtually nothing, their real-world racing, mm. they announced that they were throwing absolutely their weight behind their sim racing team and, and the BMW eSports team. Um, I mean, does who's come out the best out of this then? Out of the platforms? Out of the, uh, out of the software? Out of the hardware? Who's come out the best out of this? And are we, as an adjunct to that... Um, an adjunct to that, are we better placed now to understand how good people who are in the in the virtual world are, like people like Max Benecke and one or two other people who race, all right, primarily in iRacing, but but in other places as well. Um, I think I think pretty much everybody involved with sim racing kind of came out better. I, I would say like. When you look at iRacing, for example, I think their player numbers grew eight times during mm. the fa- eight times what it was. So really? unquestionably, yeah, o- over the pandemic, eight times of what it was pr- prior to the pandemic. That's Man. how much it grew. It was insane. Um, so yeah, I mean, titles like iRacing for sure. They they were already had a strong foothold and the sort mm. of kind of I kind of recognised as the kingpin of, of sim racing. Um, I think they have benefited massively because uh, if you look at the amount of uh, real series that are doing esports series on iRacing now, mm. you know, IndyCar, NASCAR, IMSA, uh, the Australian supercars, mm. it's just the list goes on and on. And that, um, and all of those translated to TV actually quite well. Uh, Drew Adamson, who we work with for the IMSA iRacing Pro Series and his team in, in Boston worked really hard to make that so, and and I'm told, and I believe this to be true, that iRacing didn't take any money for that. But if they grew their user base eight times, and it's a subscription service, you could say that was a that was a pretty d- damn fine investment. Yeah, exactly. And and iRacing isn't exactly cheap as well. No, so no. for it to grow eight times, that's se- severely impressive. And as you said, the the actual broadcast, I think iRacing's major strength. And why I believe it was the title that, that benefited the most from, from last year was the fact that when you get into the broadcast, what well, having watched IMSA, IndyCar and NASCAR, you get to a point where you start to not realise that it's not yeah. real. Yeah. It, it's awfully 
sort of spooky but also massively impressive because not only does that mean like the graphics are right that's just the surface level thing the all the overlays and everything's fine but the driving the conduct mm. of the drivers sometimes it lacked but yes. most of the time 99 percent of the time uh, you could uh, be fooled IndyCar, we're IndyCar. At you. Uh. yeah <laughs> indianapolis mm. <laughs> I, 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 again that's something i have to say i agree with because it became very easy to get very comfortable quickly with that and certainly i know from us broadcasting even just the audio from the the imsa and the nls as it's called now vln as it used to be people who perhaps tuned in not realizing that it wasn't a quote-unquote real world race um, they heard it, they couldn't see it. And the sound in particular from iRacing is very, very uh, realistic indeed. And they just went along with it and they created their own, their own pictures. So I, I, completely, I completely understand that. What about, the, what about the platforms? What about the console games? Um, what, what came out on, on top there, if anybody? Or did it just bring everything up? Because clearly not everybody's going to want to invest hundreds, possibly even thousands of pounds on a, an iRacing rig and a subscription. So, you know, the titles you mentioned, Forza, obviously Gran Turismo, all the big titles, a set of Corsa that are available on PC and um, particularly on console, which... Which one, if any of those, benefit, or did, as I said, just bring the whole level up? Um, I think it's difficult to say. I, I think PC kind of went above and beyond like the consoles. I think the, the problem was the console games are kind of limited in, in what they can do. Mm. Um, re- really, the, the, t- the titles, the, the games that are available on all three platforms, the ones that were widely sort of received and and had the most benefit were the ones that were also available on pc that's why the f1 games for example yeah that sort of thing is only possible on the pc version there's just limitations within the consoles maybe the next generation consoles that just came out over the winter period will level that but i i wouldn't say any of the sort of console exclusive titles did grew as much as the pc games so like forza i don't believe they had a, a a sort of pandemic version of their uh, of their championship which usually takes place in person but mm. from what i could tell it wasn't widely received but it is mm. on an aging game yeah. uh, same with gran turismo for example that's been out for several years now and it's awaiting a sequel so hopefully the lessons they've learned from their competitors might make them into a more broadcastable package for mm. the future yeah the the i know having worked with with um, Microsoft and Forza for their world championships, the limitations of the console and the game make that more difficult to translate that into a broadcast product. And we worked really hard with those guys to mm. try try and make those, and whether it was me that was working with them or when Shea was working the, with them as well, uh, try really hard to make it more of a, quote again, quote-unquote, broad, broadcast uh, product. Let's talk about the show. Let's talk about Simcast then. Uh, not tomorrow, but um, a week on Thursday. Still putting the show together. I, first of all, some quick fire quick. Are you staying weekly? Uh, yes, for the moment, so long as you'll have us. <laughs> That's a um, lot yeah, of work, so Jordan. Much of a demand. It's a, lo- yeah, it's it a lot of work. But th- there's a lot of stories out there, and quite clearly a lot of people want to talk to you uh, as well. So what what are we going to... I don't necessarily need a rundown of the first episode <laughs> because I know that will be fluid, but what stories are you guys going to be following up and, and, and where are you going to be taking us in 2021 on, on SimCast? 
Well, 20, 2021, I, I think, is we're going to have a little bit more of a focus on sort of the esports competitions themselves. Um, mm. 2020, we leaned into that more because there were so many of them happen. Correct. And it, it's now gotten to a point where there are so many huge ones out there that we can dedicate a portion of the show to just recapping. Uh, I mean, we've already had like the Porsche Esports Super Cup Championship come back this week, uh, last week. So there's one. Mm -hmm. And we're only in like the first week of January. So they, there's going to be a whole load down the road. So having having a section reviewing the newest games that come out, obviously, um, we've got probably this year's version of F1 to look forward to. <laughs> iRacing seems to be bringing out content up the content that's just going down an absolute treat i'm still in love with long beach um <laughs> yeah after being fairly static for quite some time they accelerated some of their bits and pieces they sneaked out the c8r which was a real shocker for everybody yes they've updated the lmp2 which i think they knew needed doing we've had oh, uh bmw um, the GT4 M4 as well, but the, the Corvette was a bit of a bit of a sneaky one, wasn't it? They kept that under the hats. Yeah, I feel like um, yeah, I, I racing in particular was accused quite a lot of not bringing out relevant mm. um, sort of updates and contemporary race cars, but particularly in in GT and LMP2, they were being asked for years to update them. So to have the C8, I, I believe that was kind of expedited due mm. to the pandemic. I, yes. I think. Um, Having the C8 not there for the IMSA series example, I, I feel like Chevrolet probably thought, yeah, we need to get that in there. Yeah. And same with the IndyCar. Back, back in March, we didn't have the aero screen version of the IndyCar. Yes. And I feel like that was probably primed up for a launch mid-year, end of year. But they got it out seemingly within weeks. So, yeah. no, Fair play. Fair absolutely fair play when you look back simcast as we say not tomorrow but but next thursday when you look back then on the the tour radio show years and particularly on last year i know a lot of work went into to going weekly rather than monthly what will you remember and what will be your highlights looking back on say 2020 and even beyond there for for the tour radio show as we head into the new simcast era I mean, for me, um, it, it sounds probably somewhat cliche, but just having the opportunity to talk more about esports, mm. that move from monthly to weekly, that was, it, it was a lot of work, as you said, but just the opportunity to sit down with, with Matt, Ben and Lewis and, and just talk about esports and sim racing as a whole, that was just a massive treat. And it, it's really nice to hear that it's going down well with the listeners as well. So More that, and that's, more. So, You've seen yeah. the download numbers, never mind the live <laughs> numbers. It's going really well for you. And, and, and fair play because you work hard. You work hard at it. Same team next Thursday. Are we expecting to hear the same team and will it stay the same where the uh, it, it, it alternates between the US team and the UK team? Or are you going to mix it up a bit? Uh, the general format tends to be yeah, one week UK, one week US, but um, like we, we cross over quite a lot. So I, I think for the first show back, we were at least having myself, Matt and Ben, even though it's technically the UK show. But yeah, it's it's largely going to be the same sort of setup. So it's it's meant to be UK, then US, but it's kind of who's available when we sit down to um, sit down to do the show. All right, look into your crystal ball. We'll let you go in a second. Uh, thank you for your time and thank you for all your hard work last year and going forward on the new Simcast show. Not tomorrow, but next Thursday here on RS1, 8 o'clock on a Thursday. Right, look into your crystal ball. What we're going to be talking, what are you going to be talking about? And if I'm having this discussion with you, let's say at the end of 2021, the beginning of 2022, what are you going to be seeing 
were the big things in 2021? Uh, oh, that's a difficult one. I, I would say it's probably just going to be continuing the momentum that Sim Racing picked up over 2020. I think um, I think it's going to continue to grow. I think more, as I've said, more and more uh, manufacturers and drivers are getting involved with Sim Racing. I feel like the sky's the limit, really, and it's just going to keep on growing. I think we're going to see more championships being more dedicated to their eSport counterparts. Um, I think it's going to be a very good year. I, I don't feel like sim racing is going to slow down. And yeah, I can't wait good to see where it goes. No, good for you. And, and I'm just going to say one thing, that all of these series who are looking at their sim racing counterpart, let's not forget Tora, the Online Racing Association, and British GT. That association goes back a very, very long time. And I think that was probably one of the first ones if I'm honest, where both sides got together, Jordan. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And for, for us to have, for Tora to have been able to do what they've done with British GT or on the limiting factor of it being on the consoles, which are quite restrictive in their nature. Mm. And for it, for the British GT esports series to succeed like it did, despite all that, is incredible. And it's a testament to the organisers at Tora and obviously the people behind the scenes of British GT who made it happen. Thanks, Jordan. Brilliant stuff. Uh, great with British GT. Wish you the best for the new show. Tim. And you can hear that new show next Thursday here on RS1 at 8pm. That's uh, Simcast next Thursday, 8pm here on RS1. Sports Car News now. Happy birthday for Monday. And hello, Shay Adam. Hello. <laughs> uh, did you have a good birthday this week? Yeah, very good. Uh, two pieces of birthday cake on the actual birthday. So, you know, about as good as you could hope for. Excellent. Very good. Very good. Right, I'm going to show, throw some random words uh, at you. Uh, conquest and GRS. Uh, I this like is, this. Yeah, you like this? It, well, it's a bit like a Rorschach test. If you're going to throw random words at me, it's a reverse Rorschach mm -hmm. test. Um, conquest Racing teaming up with GRS Autosport for a full IMSA prototype challenge effort. This is an LMP3 car not running in the WeatherTech Championship, so not in the big series, but in the LMP3 series itself. They're going to have a Norma M30 for George Stakos and Danny Cook. They're two Canadian drivers. They've dabbled in the LMP3 class the last couple of years. Before that, they, I believe, had a couple of starts in an AMG GT4 in a pilot challenge. But they're two drivers who have never done a full season of IMSA. Now they're going to look to do that. They were going to try and do it last year. Obviously, that didn't happen with the Canadian border closing down to the States, but they feel much more confident to be able to get that done in 2021. Let's uh, move on to some GT news. I'm mixing all this up. Uh, just to keep okay. it fresh. Uh, again, as we did last week, trying to keep it roughly in the chronological order on which it came in. So these were all stories that came in on Thursday after our programme last week on, on Wednesday. So we are doing a bit of a catch-up here. Uh, this one is a Sarah Rigby story. She'll be delighted that Heart of Racing <laughs> confirming a return to the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. And for the Rolex 24, not one, but two drivers with factory connections. Yeah, and this actually isn't a change from last year because Alex Riberas was supposed to be the full-season driver partner for Roman DeAngelis. Alex then uh, getting stuck on a yacht off the coast of New Zealand stuck. for all of COVID. Stuck. Stuck. He's mm. still there. 
he hasn't been able to come home yet. He's mm. still in New Zealand. I actually talked to him on my birthday. Nice, nice kid. Um, but he was given factory status by Aston Martin before the season began. So it was supposed to be a two factory driver effort for Heart of Racing last year with Nikki team joining them at Daytona. Program got off to a terrible start, though, with the crash. Mm. Uh, they were the first car out, actually, during the Rolex last year. This year, totally different story. They've got Darren Turner coming back to join Roman DeAngelis and Ian James, as he did for two races last year, including Sebring, where they ended up second. But now Ross Gunn returning. Mm. He's making his second start at Daytona, his first coming last year. And unfortunately, it was a DNF last year for Ross as well. Aston Martin, not with a great run last year. They're looking to try and fix that this year. And boy, did they bring the firepower. Staying in, yeah, uh, with Darren Turner, as you say, yes, uh, as well. Yeah. You've got to say that that will be certainly worth looking at for uh, the the class win. Uh, staying in GT, we talked a lot about GT Le Mans uh, last week, uh, and we queried what was happening with BMW. Still no news, really, uh, on that. Yeah. But we can tell you that Turner, who are vacuuming up the BMW stars <laughs> have bagged an IndyCar driver for their 400th race with BMW, which will be the Rolex 24. So this is an interesting story on more than one level because Turner had acquired two new cars for this season. I was under the impression that they were going to be running two cars at the Rolex, but they only have one car, as you rightly say, Colton Herta joining the driver lineup for the 400th start for Turner Motorsport, the second most successful BMW privateer factory team in the world. So that is a very big indication in and of itself. There was something interesting, and I, I will keep coming back to this as we're talking because it's relevant on multiple uh, levels. But you mentioned we still do not have GTLM announcement yet from BMW. Well, if you go onto the private testing schedule for IMSA, which is published online, <laughs> anyone can gain access to it. And I do. So you're not breaking any confidences here. I'm not breaking any confidences. I'm going with publicly acquired information. Mm, BMW is holding a test on the 18th of January, so in five days' time, at PBIR, which is, uh, for those of you South Floridians, Moroso, um, and will always be Moroso because it's the track with the alligators. Connor Filippi and John Edwards are the two drivers listed against the 24 and the 25. So clearly they're testing both of their cars. We have no indication of if they're running in Daytona, and that's something we'll have to wait for the entry list to come out, which, by the way, this being Wednesday, two weeks before the race, I'm clicking uh, refresh every minute that I possibly can. <laughs> but... There is some indication that we will see the factory BMWs at Daytona based on the fact that they're testing. But to take nothing away from Turner, the fact that they were able to pick up a former Rolex winner in the GTLM category in Colton Herta, that bodes very well for the team. They've also picked up a young gun named Aiden Reed, who's a yeah. young Aussie kid. He has gotten a lot of praise from BMW and is somebody who will fit in very well with that driver trio. And... Firming up, staying with Turner, um, firming up their Michelin Pilot Challenge program. They've they've run a couple of cars uh, at various times throughout 2020, and Robbie Forley was jumping in between them. It looks like he's only going to do <laughs> one car this year and, and focus on that. Not to be fair that it seemed to blunt his focus or or <laughs> cause him to lose concentration in the slightest. But it looks like it's going to no. be one car for Robbie this year. Yeah, and and to be honest, uh, driving 
everything that he could every minute of every day at the racetrack last year really helped Robbie. And and we saw a lot of growth in his driving last year. He is going to be driving one of the GT4 cars with uh, Bill Oberlin. And we should say he and and Bill are the driver pairing for the full season in the the GTD car as well. But Vin Barletta, with whom Robbie shared the car on almost every occasion this season, actually, in in the Pilot Challenge, is going to be sharing with Dylan McIvern, who used to be the the endurance driver, if you will, for Turner. So he's taken a step back, but he has joined Turner in terms of their Pilot Challenge program, meaning that there is now a vacancy at Bimmer World, and we wait for more news on Ah, who will fill those seats. But they've sort of kept it in-house, and it looks like that's going to be a full-season drive for Dylan with Vin in that car then. Which is excellent because, yeah. to be honest, he, he deserves it. He's a very quick young gun. And when you consider what Vin Barletta was able to accomplish this year, getting a race win with Robbie mm-hmm. Foley, and then the final race of the season, driving the entirety of the race by himself, it later led to disqualification of the car because the second driver didn't meet minimum driver time. But that didn't matter. Vin got that track time, and that's what you need to make yourself a better driver, even if you're not a professional. We talked last week about Oli Plapp. Juan Montoya, AJ Allmendinger, Dan Cameron uh, jumping into the Meerschank Racing Acura. Oh, how many times am I going to get that wrong uh, already this uh, this 2021 season for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship? What we didn't know was how the car would look. We do now, and it's very much a trademark look for MSR. It still has the pink on it, uh, which is what all of the mm. uh, Acuras have now. Um, I was I was going to say, um, well, all of Shank's cars now, actually, because yeah. he only has the IndyCar and the DPI. Last year, one of the Acuras was pink and the other one wasn't. Uh, but now all of his cars bearing that pink, which is part of AutoNation's uh, drive. Over here, they have a big push. They do run pink on a lot of their cars, but pink and black, very stylish looking car, I have to say, when I saw the pictures initially. It reminded me of... Uh, look, we were wondering what was going to happen with Joao Barbosa, uh, and we've now found out. Yeah, we've uh, been sitting on this for a little while, I think it's fair to say, but Joao Barbosa back full season in an LMP3 car with Sean Creech Motorsport. Mm. They, this is a team that's run um, on and off in the LMP3 championship for many years now, actually. But Joao is going to be teaming up with Lance Wilsey, a guy who isn't scared to drive by himself in those LMP3 races. He will frequently stand up and take the full blunt of the, the endurance race just to be able to get more seat time. But he is a non-professional racer. He's got experience in the Rolex 24 before. They'll be joined by Jan Claret, the French driver, who has run in the LMP3 category at uh, the American Rounds. But he's also the reigning ELMS, uh, joined by the reigning ELMS LMP3 champion, Wayne Boyd, who I know Johnny Palmer is a big fan of. Yeah, very much. Wayne is going to be coming in for the Rolex, and he is going to be a massive player in terms of how they get the car set up for the year. They... Uh, renewing a, an association actually between Joao Barbosa and Sean because uh, Mike Colucci racing in a Porsche GT2 when Joao was racing for them, Sean was part of, of that team as well. So that's a, a, a nice uh, return, if you will, and bringing things round full circle. Um, Mercedes MG GT3 Evo Allegra. Um, we uh, <laughs> we 
thought that they might be able to drum up a decent set of steerers for that, and they have. Well, you mentioned uh, Mercedes, and I, I think our next two stories after this one all have to do with Mercedes, mm. too, because all of the Mercedes lineups have been announced, basically, for the Rolex 24 Hours. Allegra, with their lineup, we knew it was Daniel Morad and Michael De Casada for the full season. Those guys not being shy about their intent, mm. uh, even back in November, I think, was the last time I talked to them, and, and they mentioned that. But Maxi Book is going to be joining them for the Rolex and Billy Johnson as their endurance stout. driver. Stout. That it's very stout. But here's the catch that in doing my little bit of research on uh, that organization so far, let me scroll back up to where there there's Allegra. Um, so you've got Billy Johnson who's run the Rolex many, many times before, Daniel and Michael who won it together back in twenty seventeen with Allegra. That was in a Porsche. Maxi Book is a rookie to the Rolex twenty four hours no. of Daytona. I would have lost money on that one. No, mind, you're wrong. You must I'm be not, wrong. I'm not. He's a guy who has focused on wow. Bathurst, and Bathurst has always been the week after Daytona. He's yeah, never true. done that flight around the world. He doesn't have to do it this year, of course, with sadly yeah. no 12 oh. hours at Bathurst uh, on. Uh, that's a strong, strong team. And I'm also delighted to say that Sun Energy won as a sponsor and that bright orange oh, by the way the Allegra is is Viper sorry Viper Green's a Porsche colour um, but it actually it is very much a Porsche Viper Green that, that Allegra motorsports car um, Sun Energy won GTD as you said another AMG uh, GT in uh, the uh, chrome blue and orange almost flames look alike uh, with another IMSA debutante named uh, yesterday uh, in this one. Yes, Raffaele Marcello, zero IMSA starts to his name. There's another, uh, so there's another loss of a bet straight away. Ex exactly. Uh, joined by Mikhail Grenier, who has run the Rolex with Kenny Havol before, mm. and also Lucas Stolz, who's a name familiar to IMSA. He was the uh, endurance champion a couple years ago now with Ben Keating and Jerome Blakemullen. But it's a very interesting driver lineup because the three of the four drivers are considered professional quote-unquote i would say uh marciello stoltz and then granier who has more open wheel experience than sports car experience but kenny habul will just need to meet his four and a half hour minimum drive time and then after that i would expect to see the other three sharing the car for the majority of the race and you know what kenny is very good about keeping it on the straight and oh, narrow very good very good indeed we were just mentioning weren't we last season uh, and the season before how his driving had, had uh, come on uh, and uh, how well his concentration had gone up um, finally for yeah. the IMSA stories for from me but you may have something else having been uh, trawling through the other lists uh, John Ferrano teamed up with Gabriel Aubry uh, for a full season drive for Starworks in a Orica 07 Gibson yeah, this is something that, to be honest, I did not see coming. Um, I had done my um, uh, my spreadsheet of people that I thought were going to be running, and Tower Motorsports by Starworks was not on there, I have to say, after uh, last season. But they are a good organization. There's nothing wrong with the organization. Let me put that out there first. Mm. The driver lineup was surprising to me because I thought John Ferrano had become a little bit disenchanted after trying to run last season. He was supposed to do a full season with Ryan Dial, and that fell apart after Daytona. So I'm quite surprised to see them back for another season. But they have yet to announce their other drivers 
for the Rolex. We're looking at close to a dozen LMP2 cars now in that category, which is kind of wild when you think about it. Um, and we do actually have some more LMP2 stories as well Correct. as at least one other uh, GTD story. So which, right. which would you prefer? Uh, stay with the LMP2s. Carry on. Okay, uh, we found out at the, uh, when was that, couple couple days ago, just before the weekend, about a new LMP2 team coming in. We knew that K2R Motorsports was going to be running a car, at least they wanted to, but now they're running under the name Win Autosports, and oh. they have announced their driver lineup. Tristan Nunez, who, remember, oh, yes. was the only Mazda driver not given a place at the end of last year when it was announced that Oliver Jarvis and Harry Tinknell would be teaming up for the full season, Jonathan Bomarito with them in the endurance races. Tristan now has a home. He's going to be in LMP2 with this team for a full season sharing the car. Now, this is the shocking part with Stephen Thomas. Stephen, for those of you who paid attention to the LMP3 championship last year, will know that name because he came out of nowhere and won the bronze championship. Incredible growth over the course of the year for this non-professional driver. He's stepping up to LMP2 for a full season. And with Tristan as a co-driver, that will be a very strong duo. They've got Thomas Merrill joining them for the Endurance Cup races. Again, someone we've seen in the LMP3 championship who's proven his weight. And then British Matt Bell as the fourth driver for the Rolex. Again, stepping up from the GT3, uh, uh, sorry, uh, LMP3 championship. We've seen him do very well there in the park. I think this is great for Tristan. I really do because it keeps him in a significant and relevant spot in terms of his driving. Let's not forget LMP2s are the basis of the next LMP2. Uh, DHs. So, yeah. you know, all right, not this version. There will be a new version. But I get the feeling there's an awful lot of drivers who, pro drivers who are prepared, like Matt, like Tristan, perhaps even who've had factory connections like uh, Tristan Nunez has, um, that are prepared to get in a P2 car to keep them in people's consciousness share and also to keep themselves sharp in as i say relevant uh, relevant uh, machinery i think this is very very sensible by all concerned and that looks a good team particularly for for rolex now you said there was a couple yeah. of lmp2 stories what was your other one uh high class racing ah. has announced their driver lineup for the rolex and holy cow it's a good one <laughs> robert kubica will mm. be making his rolex debut there's another one for you um, Ferdinand Habsburg in the car. He's run in the Rolex before in the DPI category. And then Anders Fjordback, who has one IMSA start to his name, which was at Sebring a couple years ago where he finished second. And then Dennis Anderson behind the wheel of, and that should come as no surprise. It's a Danish organization. Yeah, They're running a Danish lineup in world endurance championship, but they thought, Hey, you know what? Why not break out the Orca a couple months early, give it some uh, running at Daytona and use that effectively as a test for when the season begins for the WEC. Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. You did say you had another GT story as well from IMSA before we move on to worldwide sports cars. Yes, I've got a GT story that um, is already out in the... Um, out out in the, the known quantity, mm -hmm. I think. I should, what's the word I'm looking for? It, out, uh, out in the real world, okay. Out in the real world, sure. Um, HTP Windward Motorsport oh, has yes. announced their driver lineup, and this is another one that makes you go, <laughs> okay. Um, we have, for this Mercedes, 
no surprise with Russell Ward making his debut at the Rolex, Indy Donchi making his debut, Phil Ellis making his debut, no and Mauro Angle back for another go at the Rolex. He That's has run this very, race before. Very, very strong, isn't it? It, it? It's one of those that you whisper for now, but mm. by the end of the race, you're going to be shouting going, Oh, yeah, this was a good lineup. Uh, Morrow last ran the Rolex with Kenny Habul, so it's interesting mm. to see that he's going to be in a different car than Kenny. Might be a little confused when he sees the bright yes. Sun Energy pit board. Uh, so Woodward's going to have to come up with something. But what a lineup. We've gone from having one confirmed Mercedes to having three within the course of a few days. Yeah, very good. Very good. Now, let me check through. Uh, Heart of Racing, HTP Winred. Uh, well, uh, I think that's everything from IMSA for me. Have you got anything else? Yes. Okay. From the, from the testing list okay. that I mentioned a little mm-hmm. bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to list your drivers necessarily. You, you do. You want to for just for purposes of, of being completely honest. But when that happens and people go online and they read who you've listed, well, it's out in the public space. So Correct. I can now tell you who the Cadillac Chip Ganassi racing drivers are and who the Magnus with Archangel racing drivers are. Okay, fire away. Ranker Van de Zanda and Kevin Magnussen, as we were well aware, and it is now confirmed Scott Dixon and Marcus Erickson are the other two drivers who they've listed. They're doing a test at Sebring on January 18th and 19th with those four. Wow. Again, wow. No no make weights there either. None whatsoever. I think Erickson is a good fit into that. I really do. I would have to agree. He has no sports car experience, but this is going to be a very good place for him to learn a lot like Kevin. Mm. I think that's very interesting, the the makeup of that team. Scott Dixon, effectively then, um, Scott Dixon uh, and and Renga are the two sports car racers there, aren't they? (laughs) Exactly. Isn't that fantastic? And Renga, the most experienced of all of them. Of all of them. Got to be team leader. (laughs) He's team leader, there's no doubt. What else have you dug up out of that, uh, out of the practice uh, testing list january 18th and 19th magnus with archangel testing at new orleans motorsport park uh, or nola as it's known shakedown of a new car potter and lally as we knew spencer pompelli their third driver for the season is again no real surprise there as he has long associations with the archangel organization and mike johnson as well as andy lally and john potter but Mario Farbacher is listed as their fourth driver. And this comes as a massive surprise to me because this means that our two-time reigning GTD champion does not have a full-season drive for the 2021 season in IMSA. Okay, so there's a quick roundup of the, not that quick, roundup of the IMSA news. <laughs> You're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's Series 16, Episode 2. Shea Adam is on the line. Let's uh, broaden out a little bit and pick off a few of the top stories that I've seen. Uh, change of uh, no, let's go to let's go to Yota. Yota first of all. Um, LMP2 uh, in WEC, and they've announced their lineup, and they've they've managed to uh, pick up uh, a couple of interesting drivers uh, to jump in uh, to that. Um, who have been electric racing. And I don't mean with Nick Damon in skill racing. A couple of Formula <laughs> E drivers jumping in. Yeah, not a bad lineup for Jota, <laughs> is it? Um, no. They've got Sean Galil, which does not come as a surprise. No. The other two are much more out of left field and, and much more um, shocking 
and yes, pun intended, Stoffel Van Dorn and Tom Blankfest oh, are good. their other two drivers for the British squad. Now, they are continuing to run two cars uh, as they've been running. Joda teamed up with Jackie Chan DC, and they have had the cars to watch, particularly during the 24 hours of Le Mans the last couple of years. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what we get in terms of the other drive up, driver lineup as well, because now they've set the bar so high. I don't know how they could possibly jump over it. Well, and again, this goes back to what we were talking about before. There's no clashes this year in Formula E and the WEC, as it stands at the moment, asterisk, 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 <laughs> many asterisks. <laughs> um, here we've got two drivers who are in Van Dorn and Blomqvist, respectively, driving for Mercedes, a works team, and Neo, mm. also a manufacturer team, um, jumping into an LMP2 car. And let me say it again, LMP2s. That's going to be the base chassis, the spine, as you hear some of the the manufacturers talk about, for the new LMDH. I think this is smart for them. Uh, they, uh, they've done a, a good job in getting those into the Jota team. Um, I've, uh, Van Dorn was runner-up last year, wasn't he, in, in Formula E? Vice champion. Yes, he was. And, of course... He has raced a couple of times in the WEC before in that 2018 yeah. 19 Super Season. But that was LMP1, wasn't it? Was that SMP? Yeah. He was, he was with SMP and um, they had their Formula One lineup. I think they had Sergei Sorotkin in there too. Um, I'm trying to remember because Joe and I were interviewing them uh, during uh, that scrutineering. Of course, at that. Le Mans. And they came third yeah. at Le Mans. He was with uh, Alotian and Petrov at Le Mans. That's right. Yeah, very good. Very well remembered. Well, we wish them well with that. That uh, sounds like, a, again, a very good idea for all concerned and it gives us some tremendous uh, some tremendous driving talent in the WEC and LMP2, which shows uh, no sign of um, of slowing down the, the excellent entertainment they've given us. Although, having said that, next story is interesting. Um, you might remember that we talked a couple of weeks ago, maybe even before Christmas, about Nico Lapierre and Alexandra Coigny taking up uh, managerial positions, effectively, in Cool Racing, who mm. were an LMP2 team in WEC. And it looks like they're going to step back from the WEC, uh, at least for this year. Yeah, they're... They're still going to run. Um, they're still going to run in Anorica, it's important to say as well, mm. with uh, Antonin Borga. So it is still their WEC driver lineup, but they're looking to run in the ELMS. Correct. And they're also going to have cars fielded in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Um, so it, it is interesting that there's sort of a shift going on there. But Nico Lapierre, who very much has been uh, a man Brilliant. in charge of that program, and, and good Lord, he has had all of the fortune and and all of the well wishes from everyone as he's run at Le Mans after leaving Toyota with, with a little bit of heartbreak there. Coming home, what, four times a winner now yeah, at the 24 brilliant. Hours of Le Mans? You can't wish enough well for this man. I, I, he, he's I, very impressive. I loved, I loved his return to happiness. It showed in his face yeah. and it showed in his driving uh, as well. Uh, we, we should... Pay tribute to Patrick and Hermini Babier, who are no longer involved 
with Cool. And in fact, mm. there will be a change of name, CLX Motorsport, uh, the C for Cody, the L for Lapierre, which effectively replaces Racing Spirit of Le Mans, which was the company that started in 2019 that was running the Cool Racing programme. Uh, they, they are still deciding whether they might run an LMP3 car as well uh, in the ELMS. If they're going to be there, there's some uh, economies of scale there. Um, United Auto Sports, European Le Mans, all conquering, won everything, brilliant stuff, um, have added a Maldonado. He'll be making yeah. his sports car debut in 2021. And I guess we are going to find out if nobody's really faster than Pastor because it's not Pastor. It's his cousin, uh, Manuel Maldonado, mm. who will be driving and uh, joining the World Endurance Championship. So it's interesting that um, Manuel would, would choose to go down this avenue, particularly because Pastor was a driver of uh, a lot of um, prominence in the World Endurance Championship. Mm -hmm. he, he got a lot of praise and accolades for what he was able to do. Joining Jovan Oitrit for the season in ELMS with uh, United, that is a stout lineup. I, I, I'll be interested to see how quickly he uh, he learns. Um, yeah. He, uh, he, he's had uh, a decent... Uh, Euro Formula uh, season last year. I think he was fourth in the points and he was in the British Formula 3 Championship for Fortec. Good team. So he's used to working with good teams. I haven't worked out no one faster than Pasta. So does <laughs> no one handle well like Manuel? I don't know. I'm, I've, I've crowbarred that one in. We'll, I think we'll, I'll get me caught. And finally... <laughs> Um, an LMP, another LMP2 for the European Le Mans series. This time it's sort of good news, bad news. Good news for the ELMS and for LMP2. Great news for the drivers. Sad news if you're an Aston Martin farm. One fewer Aston Martin on the grid uh, for the World Endurance Championship. So, yes, that, that will be sad. And, and you won't get that beautiful red TF Sport car anymore. But you will still get a beautiful red TF Sport car running in the ELMS under a new series name. It's going to be Racing Team Turkey because Sally Ullick still one of the drivers, the bronze-rated Turkish driver who won Le Mans this last year, won the, the championship, excuse me. Teaming up with Charlie Eastwood, again, no surprise there. They've been a, a dynamic duo for many years now. But also, they've acquired this guy named Harry Tinknell, who seems to be pretty decent in an LMP2 car. So I think that's a, a strong lineup. One driver clash uh, so far on the dates, because Harry, full-season Mazda DPI driver at IMSA, well, there's a clash between ELMS and uh, Mid-Ohio. Ah. When we're at Mid-Ohio, they're at the Red Bull Ring in May. But again... It's January, that's May. Who knows if a big fluffy pink cat will even let us well, still be racing at that point in time. But it's a very exciting and enticing driver lineup. Uh, and with Tinknell in and Orica, I think that's three of the LMP2 current chassis he'll have driven because he drove for Carl in racing and that was a Delara. The Mazda, of course, based on a, on a Riley. So yeah. this will be the third of the chassis that in the current form that Harry has driven and Harry never gets in a car and makes it go slower. Uh, yeah. And, and Sally uh, has, has really formed a very good 
their partnership with um, with Charlie as well. Um, I think that's very interesting, very interesting indeed. Uh, and from the publicity photographs, uh, that car is going to be red, uh, which is great. Yeah. Um, if that that, uh, that continues, that if that well, as it comes to fruition. And and for the Aston Martin fans out there, for, I'm thinking of Sarah in particular. You don't have to be sad because at the Rolex in a couple of weeks' time, we are getting Charlie Eastwood in the TF Sport Aston Martin car number 97, and we are getting Sally Yellick driving in the Rick Ware Racing uh, LMP2 machine, which is going to be purple, so it will be very easy for you to see. And then, as as we said, Harry in the Mazda. So all three of them will be out on track in different classes, but potentially at the same time. Brilliant stuff, Shep. Lots of sports car news. It'll be coming thick and fast between now and the Raw before, and we'll have all our coverage details for you in the coming weeks here on Midweek Motorsport and, of course, over on RS2, the home of IMSA Radio. Thanks, Shep. Thank you. All right, Tim, where would you like to go next? I don't particularly want to go anywhere because I want to stay with uh, sports cars. And uh, some news out of France, and in particular the uh, magazine Auto Ebdo, uh, which has named six drivers that it thinks are going to be uh, racing for Peugeot in the in, uh, FIAWC <laughs> in 2022. Only six? Well, they've only I got two cars. Long, I bet there's a long queue of people. Nick Damon has uh, stayed with us. for the uh, Bonjour. Bonjour, ça va? Um, oui, oui. Oui, uh, Every man and his dog wants to be in a in a in a Peugeot. And, and, and in fact, we were talking about this, weren't we? With Shea just there about people getting into LMP2 cars. So, uh, Tim, who have they named there? Oh, let me guess. Go, Go on. on. Um, the Smex Formula One drivers. No, Roman Grosjean. No. Oh. Uh, Kevin Magnussen. Kevin Magnussen. Yes. Another ex Formula One uh, driver. Sebastian Buemi. Mm, no. Poaching? Oh no, poaching! All right. Um, oh, expo- uh, don't know who would it be? Daniel Kvyat. Kvyat in there? Mm, don't think so. No, he's not. No. Oh dear. Sebastian Bordeaux. He's always in it. No. Um, Jack Villeneuve. He must have been up for a bit. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, all right, go on then. I'm, he's I'm, not going to have to really tell him. not doing very well at this at all. He's not go doing on very then. Well at all. It's late. When it, I mean, it's Formula One drivers. You should be guessing this. Paul DeResta. Come on, then, tell me anyway. Really? Yes. Like, since when? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do you mean? When That's was good. he in Formula One? Yeah, six not, years ago. Dead good, though, because his cousin, Marino Franchitti, has got a Peugeot-branded helmet that he didn't use the last time Peugeot pulled out, so he can pass that over to Paul if they've got the same size head. That'll be me- mega. Oh, I think Paul's head's a little bit smaller than Marino's. Okay, moving on. Go on, keep going. Uh, uh, former Nico Hulkenberg, former French Formula One driver, Alan Prost, younger. <laughs> uh, Alan Prost's mm. son, Nico Prost. Nico Prost. No, mm. he didn't race in Formula One. Uh, okay. No, he didn't. Uh, I don't know. Th- this person's won Formula E twice. Oh, Jean Eric Verne. Jean Eric Verne, yes. Jeff. Yeah, very good. Jeff, yeah, that's a good, that's a good call. A yeah. French Le Mans winner. Well, it doesn't narrow it down much, does it? Is it for who? Who do you win it for? That uh, will give it away. Olivier Jean de Bian? No. Olivier Pla? No, it's not called Olivier. Uh, <laughs> no Olivier's. No Olivier's here, of course. We're out to There's no Olivier's on this list. Right. Um, 
Benoit Trollier. Getting closer. Audi. Uh, Loke Duval. Loke Duval is correct. Very good. Uh, it's like six degrees of Audi separation, isn't it? I know. <laughs> and then we have a Dane. Another one? Yes. Oh, yes. I'd forgotten that Kevin Magnussen was Danish. Yes. Tom Christensen. Uh, oh. Younger. Um, oh, gosh. Um, uh, mine's gone. I, know, I can see him. Just tell me who it is because I can see him. I'll, I'll, I'll keep myself. Mikkel Jensen. Oh, that's oh, not no, who I was thinking at no, all. No, no, me neither. Okay, carry on. Mikkel Jensen. All right, carry on. Who else? Mikkel Jensen. Uh, and an American who doesn't sound American. Um, North American or USA? Alexander Rossi. Uh, along the right lines, but less American sounding. Um, Silviano or Frank Petrucci, what his name is? No. Pet- uh, mm. Petrucci. No, he's no. off to NASCAR. Yeah, Santa- Santiago for the yeah. NASCAR, isn't he? Santiago. Santiago. So that's, that's common Santiago, isn't it? Um, Tell him. Go on. Gustavo Menezes. Not- Gustavo Menezes. Oh, I don't, I don't. I don't think he was an American. That's why. That's why. That's what he's that's just I always think he, I always think he's Mexican. I don't know why. He's born well, in that's Los why Angeles. I said North American or no, no, no. I'm not saying he's. I'm not saying he's not American. Just in my mind, he's not, which is completely different. Yeah. Do we think those, any of those, all of those, some of those, or none of those, will actually be confirmed? I think Atalebdo have got yeah, some good will. sources within uh, Peugeot, yeah, so too. I think all six are going to be confirmed. I don't agree with you. Really? I think it's a yes. long time to 2023. I think that that's a positive wish list. And I would think that many of those drivers are keeping their options open. I'm pretty much sure that probably John Eric Verne is, is going to be one. I still think Roman Grosjean will get picked up. You know, he's, you know, that's, he's, got a, he's actually got a sports car and endurance racing background. So... Um, don't rule out Nico Hulkenberg. He's on the market and has won Le Mans. Um, you're still, so you're still. I, I take it you're all still very sure that Peugeot are actually going to come. Yes. Well, they have to now, don't they? And they'll start testing in less than a year. So. Well, let's see, shall we? We saw pictures of the Toyota today. It's the official launch on Friday, isn't it? Yes, it is. Friday and Saturday, and uh, it, as we said, uh, with. Red, white, and black. Uh, Alex Vert, as we said with Alex Vert in our prototype panel, which you'll be able to hear again after the show. Listen, because you'll be able to hear that Toyota going around. But as we said, um, it looks rather like the TSO 50. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's, it's obviously been based on the same concept. I think it's probably quite a different um, mm. size. And uh, We're running out of time. Sorry. We're running out of time. Shall we move on to some live sport this weekend? Charles? We've got some. We've got some live motor racing this weekend, uh, yes. coming from Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. Uh, with and we the don't have time to. Four don't have time to talk about F4. Of the F4 UAE Championship, approved by All the right, FIA and powered by a Fiat Abarth. 160 Super. horsepower, 1.4 Abarth, um, Abarth yes. engine, and, and terrific. And terrific. But most importantly, it's the uh, racing car debut of uh, Enzo Trulli. Enzo Trulli drives the C-Ram Durango car with Enzo Schianti. 29.34, those two cars, uh, the two Durango cars. And he will be up against another uh, 13. 
different drivers. Yes. Which includes Ob- Hamda Alcabesi, of course. He is uh, the son of uh, Italian winemaker Jano Trulli. Correct. I had some of his wine recently. It was lovely. Very nice, isn't it? Very nice. Nice indeed. And also we've got... Hamda Alcabesi, yes. Who is the most experienced driver in the field. And the first Mm -hmm. uh, woman to win a... uh, Open Wheel Championship race in 2020 at Yas Marina. Uh, correct. Uh, and we've also got Tarzana Paul in Thrapak Suvak. Uh, driving I would say that's easy for you to say, but it clearly wasn't. It really wasn't. No, it really wasn't. I'll get it by in the... I can't even say 15-year-old. 15-year-old Thai karting champion. Uh, it's just called Taz to his friends. He is and now. commentators. Right. Um, we're running out of time and we are meant to be doing a... Can I also mention uh, Matthias Zagazetta who uh, raced no, in the British uh, F4 last year. No, there, is, there isn't time. Um, let's talk about the 53 car grid, Nick, for yes. the Hankook 24 hours of Dubai. Yes. I, in the current climate, one has to, as, as we said with Cyril earlier on for the Asian Le Mans series, you've got to say 53 cars is pretty impressive um, plenty of interest right the way through. All right, not the 90-odd cars, but 53 cars, that's about right. And we had, I think, over, well, nearly 50 of them out in the, the two test sessions 45. today. How many? 45 went out. 45. 45 went out. Right, who was, who was quickest in testing? Uh, we had a, it was, it's Rick Broikers in his, in his Lamborghini in the morning. Uh, is that the GRT then, car, is it? Yeah. Yeah. And then the slightly slower, it was Jürgen Harding. Actually, I don't know. Actually, I don't guarantee this at the times because there were people who were in the car at, at the, the end. end of the session. Yes. And Jürgen Harding with the 91 Herbert Motorsport car. So the, the not so quite well known one, uh, 92 one, sorry. Uh, he was faster than the afternoon. There's 16, uh, GT3s in, in two classes. So it's, it's, it's actually, <coughs> it's actually a, you know, a very good turnout. It, I mean, it looks, it resembles a very high class, very busy, um, normal um, Creventic race rather than what we've been used to, which is a massive, several eclectic cars race we get in Dubai. So, you know, we have come down from the 90s to the, to the more reasonable 70s. Personally, 45 is a great number. And also, Realistically, if we if we take away the the the, the Paul Trustwellian desire to see 107 cars in every circuit, um, 45 is a better number for proper yeah. racing at Dubai. 53 not, actually, 53 on 53, the entry list. 45 who went out today. Yes, sorry, yeah, 53. And I think that will make uh, obviously it should mean. I mean, I know it's not guaranteed. Less code code purples, less code 60s, more action, less people moaning about traffic because the slowest cars are faster. And I am massively looking forward to it. And I just feel we're going to get another Titanic battle in the G. Classes. Watch quickly. out for Dynamic Motorsport. I was going to they say, quickly, good... Nick, who's going to win? All right, go on. Um, I think it's about time the Lamborghini won a 24-hour race, so I'm going to back up the GRT team. I'm going to say Dynamic Motorsport in the Porsche. They were racing in the Middle East uh, last weekend, and they had a very quick car. Roberto Pampanini, Mauro Calamia, um, Stefano Monaco, and uh, Matteo Cairoli. I think that looks a good team, but you can't count out the Audi from WRT either, particularly the uh, uh, when you've got Dries van Ter, Kelvin van der Linde uh, and uh, Frank Bird. And ben, Benji Gorta uh, with uh, making his debut in, in that race as well, I think. Louis uh, McKeels is the other racer. Yeah, We've got full coverage in the next few days. Nick? Starts tomorrow. Yeah, uh, Johnny will be talking about F4 early doors tomorrow and we'll be on the air straight after that with some... 
qualifying for TCE and then the GTs. As we said a bit earlier on, it is the prototype panel. Another chance for you to listen to the state, the top class in sports car racing and endurance racing around the world. But there's no time to explain because the Llama is off to Dubai and a PCR test. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.